This episode of The Real Fit Podcast is brought to you by The Real Nourished Newsletter. Real Nourished, reinventing your relationship with food, is for you if you are ready to stop micromanaging your food and exercise so you can start fully showing up to your life. Each biweekly issue features evidence-based tools that will help reduce your food-related anxiety, improve your body image, and help you embrace exercise as a form of nourishment, not punishment. When you subscribe, you'll get my free guide, 11 Things You Can Do Right Now to Feel Better About Your Body. To get in on it, just click on the link in the show notes or visit my website, pam-more.com. And I think one of the things that's really helpful when it comes to healing your relationship with your body and trying to establish better body image is noticing really getting curious and really being a detective about why do I think the things, first of all, what do I think about my body? And then why do I think that? Welcome to Real Fit, a podcast featuring real conversations with real women athletes. I'm your host, Pam Moore. I'm a freelance writer, body positive health coach, certified personal trainer, and a mom of two. And like you, I don't have time for bullshit. I created this show for every busy, badass woman who struggles with the question, am I enough? I'm here to tell you that you are. And my goal is to share stories that will inspire you and let you know you're not alone. Thanks for being here for this episode of Real Fit. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Fit Podcast. This is your host, Pam Moore. Today is one of my 10-minute Tuesdays, a little mini solo episode, and I want to talk about one of my favorite topics, body image, and specifically kind of being a body image issue detective. I went back east to visit my family for 10 days, just got back recently. And it was great to see my folks. I hadn't been back east since before the pandemic. It's been two years. So it was really great to put my feet in the ocean, really great to hug my sister and my brother and my nieces. Well, actually, my niece was at camp, but my nephews. (laughs) Um, I saw my cousins, all the cousins. It was crazy. It was so fun. Um, But also, it was my family. And as we all know, family is complicated. Of course, we love them, but we don't always agree with them. And we can forgive them for (laughs) whatever they did to mess us up and still love them, but also acknowledge that uh, mistakes were made. (laughs) So kind of want to talk about something that came up for me while I was visiting my folks and something we can all learn from it. So backing way up, when I think about where my issues with food and body image came from, you know, certainly from the media and the millions of images we're fed that we don't even realize, movies and magazines and everything. But when I think about my family, I think, well, they don't really bear any responsibility, or I I used to think that. Like, they raised me to have a pretty good body image. I was never criticized for the way my body looked. My food was not really policed. 
other than, you know, my mom didn't buy like soft batch cookies because she said that the chemicals that made them soft like weren't good for you. But that was more like, uh, you know, my mom trying to keep natural foods or natural-ish foods in the pantry than anything else. But, you know, if I came home from school and I wanted a piece of chocolate cake and it was there and it was like nobody said you can't have that. Um, If I wanted dessert after dinner, I don't really remember anyone saying you can't have that. I never saw my mother diet. Uh, We never had like diet foods in the house. There was never, never really any kind of soda, including diet soda. Never anything that was labeled light very rarely was there anything non-fat. I guess we had that spray. I can't believe it's not butter, but I feel like everybody had that because it was the 90s and we didn't know that that was bad for you. Um, yeah, by and large, I thought, well, gosh, like my parents are cool. Like they they didn't tell me that my body was bad. And while I was visiting them, we were watching The Bachelorette. It was me and my dad and my two girls who are seven and nine. So we're watching the, it was the season finale. (laughs) And if you've never seen it, first of all, if you've never seen it, you're not missing a damn thing. But I'm just going to fill you in real quick. Um, You know, the concept is there's a woman, there's like 20 men, she eliminates them episode by episode. And by the end, one of them is supposed to propose to her, right? That's The Bachelor. If it's The Bachelor, other way around. Anyhow, in the season finale, we watch her have a what's called a hometown visit with the potential, her potential fiance, one of her potential fiancés. And so everybody on the show is, you know, conventionally beautiful and thin But the families, you know, they don't audition the whole family, right? She brings the guy home to her family. And there we meet her mom and her aunt who are in larger bodies. And my dad had a lot to say about that. I will say, I think my dad has a really big heart. But as (laughs) this story demonstrates, he is seriously fat phobic. So we're watching the show and he's constantly in there with his commentary about how big these women are, about how this guy better watch out because if he marries this woman, she's going to look like that in 20 years. Some really crass comments that I don't need to repeat here, but they were nasty. They were cruel. And I was not happy about it. So, you know, pretty clearly I was like, dad, like, stop. And he ignored me. I didn't really expect him to listen, but I was like, can you, can you please stop? And he was kind of like, what? Like, it, you know, and um, so I just turned to my girls and I was like, you know what? Like what Papa is saying is toxic and I don't believe this stuff. And, you know, you shouldn't either. And it made me think about all the times that I used to watch TV with my dad, which was a lot growing up. Like all I did was watch TV. I didn't have any real limits on screen time. But when I was in middle school and as a teenager and, you know, whenever I would come home from college, we would often like be up late watching. We watched Howard Stern together. We watched, you guys remember this terrible dating show called, I think it was called Studs. It was on I think it was on Fox where at the time they were allowed, maybe still, I don't really watch Fox. Um, They were allowed to be more crass on Fox than they were on the major networks. I mean, at the time, Fox wasn't a major network. Even Jeopardy, 
even Jeopardy, my dad could find something nasty to say about a contestant. Like somebody would come on and he would say something like, oh, well, there's somebody I would pay to keep their clothes on or ooh, there's somebody I would never want to see naked. Just these really nasty comments. And I mean, I don't remember what they all were, but watching the way he felt so free to say these really toxic things about people in larger bodies while we were watching The Bachelorette made me think, what are all the things that he must have said while I was growing up that I don't even remember? You know, that was just like baked into my childhood. All the things you don't even notice because it's like the air you breathe, you know, especially growing up. You don't realize that you could go to somebody else's house and sit there and watch TV and the adult in the room wouldn't be making nasty comments. You kind of think that's normal, right? You think what you grow up with is normal until you see people doing things a different way. And interestingly, I had a I have a guest on my podcast. I haven't released the episode yet, but I'm very excited to share this one with you. Um, Christine DeFilippis, who she has her own podcast that's all about breaking down diet culture. She was talking to me about where some of her body image issues came from. And the first thing she said was definitely my dad. And it's kind of ironic. I thought, your dad? Interesting. I thought, oh, this stuff should get passed down by moms, right? Isn't it the moms that are drinking tab and being on a diet and complaining about their thighs and their stomach and their butt? (laughs) Watching The Bachelorette with my dad, I was like, oh my God, yes, obviously, obviously it's the dad, you know, like, as I mentioned before, we're going to do a little bit of diet culture, body image forensics, you know, for me, it's definitely my dad in the den in front of the TV. A lot of this fat phobia was just the way he talks about other people's bodies. And it gave me the message that there is something deeply wrong and shameful about being fat. I now know that's not true. And I think one of the things that's really helpful when it comes to healing your relationship with your body and trying to establish better body image is noticing, really getting curious and really being a detective about why do I think the things, first of all, what do I think about my body? And then why do I think that? So for the longest time, like I knew that I thought there was something wrong and scary and bad about being fat. But I wasn't sure. I mean, and I know, I know my dad is not the sole culprit. Let's just say that. I know that this message came at me from a gazillion different sources, and my dad was just one of them. But I really think it helps to get clear on where do these messages come from. Once you can identify, you know, what they are and where they came from, then you can start to change them. It's hard to change something that you're not aware of. And one of my favorite tools for changing a thought or a belief that is not serving you, it's from Byron Katie. Byron Katie is an author. I guess I guess you could call her like a legit thought leader. I think a lot of people call themselves thought leaders and you know whether they are or not, who knows. I think Byron Katie is a real thought leader and you can find out more about her at thework.com as in the work t h e w o r k.com. I'm going to link to that. 
and I'm going to go through, she has like a four-step process of essentially interrogating your thoughts and beliefs and coming out on the other side to be like, maybe I can, maybe I can let that go if it's not working for me. First, you need to identify the thought or belief that you want to change or that you're recognizing is not serving you. Second, ask yourself, is it true? If you're not sure, third, ask yourself, can you absolutely know it's true? And then fourth, ask yourself, how do you react when you believe that thought? And then fifth, who or what would you be without that thought? Now I'm going to take you through it with my negative thought and just to do a demo, show you how that works. My negative thought that my dad really (laughs) drilled into me was there is something shameful about being fat. Okay, there's something shameful and wrong about being fat. First, I ask myself, is that true? No, that is not true. So then I'm gonna, you're allowed to, if you, if you know that it's not true, you can skip the next step, which is asking yourself then, can you absolutely know it's true? So no, I know that that is not true. <laughs> you're, there are so many factors that affect a person's weight. It's not a moral failing to be in a larger body. There is no obligation to be thin. Our our obsession with thinness in this culture, it's, it's a cultural construct. It's what's considered beautiful right now. And there's been a lot of studies that show that diets do not work. We know that diets do not work. If diets worked, then maybe there would be something to be said for getting thin, but they don't. A lot of the size that we're at depends on genetics. And there's also a lot of socioeconomic factors. Um, But anyhow, all that to say, no, it's not true. I know that there's nothing wrong with you if you're in a larger body. Okay. So now let's go back to the thought of there is something wrong with you if you're fat. So now I ask myself, how do you react when you believe that thought? Well, how I react when I believed that thought was looking at parts of my body that I felt weren't good enough with disgust, with constantly making resolutions of, okay, I'll eat, I'll eat more salad. I won't eat any bread. I'll only eat bread once a day. I will, you know, constantly calculating. If I knew I was going out for pizza, then couldn't possibly have pasta for lunch because that's too many carbs. If I knew I was having pasta, I couldn't possibly have a bagel for breakfast, couldn't possibly have toast with my eggs, would have to have a banana. So a lot of like mental calculations, a lot of body checking, a lot of just staring at myself in the mirror for way too long from many different angles in many different outfits, obsessive thoughts about my appearance. Also just a lot of anxiety about 
times when I wouldn't be able to control my food, camping trips, vacations, parties, potlucks, happy. I mean, you name it, anything social, any, anytime you are not at home, honestly, even at home, if my husband volunteered to make dinner, even if I was totally burnt out on dinner and exhausted, a lot of times I would say, no, thank you. I'll do it. I'll do it anyway, even though I really don't want to, because I was afraid of what he would serve. So like this intense need to control food situations. Um, I could go on and on and on. I could have a whole episode about all the weird shit I did that maybe you do too to to serve this thought that there was something wrong and shameful about being fat. You know, because the corollary to that was don't get fat. Don't be like that. How do I micromanage myself to avoid that potential outcome? So I did a lot of things that made it hard for me to be fully present and to give my attention to the things that I really do value or the things I said I valued. I was wasting a lot of energy on this fear of possibly becoming fat. And now the final step, who or what would you be without that thought? I can tell you now that I have let go of the thought that there's something wrong or shameful about being fat, I can tell you <laughs> who or what I would be. I am somebody who, like I do, I don't wake up anymore. I was just thinking about this today. I used to wake up in the morning and if I had had dessert after dinner, which I often did and still do, um, I would like catalog what I had in my mind. That would be kind of one of my first thoughts would be, oh, what did I have last night? Was it too much? Oh my God, it was too much. Okay, I won't do that again. Or okay, I'll like exercise extra or just kind of like obsess about that thought. So I don't wake up with, I mean, I'm not saying I wake up and I think, yay, hooray, it's a great day. I'm still not a morning person, but I don't have that particular anxiety anymore. I am somebody who can go to a party and instead of having rules for myself, like I'm going to limit myself to one plate or I'm only going to eat foods that are low carb or I'm only going to try one dessert or I'm not going to have any, you know, all these stupid restrictive rules. I don't have those anymore. I'm someone who can go to a party and yeah, sometimes parties and stuff, they kind of trigger me and they make me feel anxious and I can, I'm able now to tell myself I'm going to eat what looks good and I'm going to stop when I'm full. And even if I don't stop when I'm full, because I don't always, that's okay too. Because sometimes food just tastes really good and I just want more. <laughs> that's okay. I can go out to ice cream with my family and order the damn ice cream if it looks good and not worry about it. Or this is something that I never used to do. I can go out to ice cream with my family and say, no, thanks, I'm not in the mood. That used to never happen. If you even said the word ice cream to me in the past, if I even saw ice cream, I would like, I couldn't stop thinking about ice cream till I got some. I was like an ice cream junkie. And now that I have given myself full permission to eat, you know, all the foods, including ice cream, I'm not obsessed anymore. So it's like you tell a kid, don't push that button. What do they want to do? All they want to do is push the damn button. So now that I know that I can have anything I want whenever I want, I don't feel like I need to have it just because it's there. You know, I am somebody now without that thought about, without that negative thought about what it would mean to be fat, I can just like, basically I can live my life. I am so much more in touch 
with what I want to eat instead of what I, I used to focus on what I thought I should eat. Now I know what I want. I know what's going to serve me. I know what I'm in the mood for. I know what's going to nourish me. I mean, yeah, like sometimes I feel like eating something and I just don't have it in the fridge and I don't go get it. So I settle for something else. I mean, I'm not in like a food fantasy land, but being in touch with what I want to eat has also helped me open up to what I really want in so many other areas of my life. I've become a lot better at listening to my gut, no pun intended. So if that sounds exciting to you, if that's if you're like, ooh, I want some of that, I don't want food to control me anymore, I would encourage you to really interrogate some of your beliefs about food and bodies and ask yourself, where did they come from? And pay attention. You know, I didn't think that my negative stuff about food and body image came from my parents. And specifically, I definitely didn't think it came from my dad. Um, And it did. (laughs) But I had to be kind of paying attention. So just pay attention. Be curious. And I would definitely encourage you to go to Byron Katie's website, which again, I will link to in the show notes. She has a lot of good stuff there, including worksheets on her process known as the work I think it's a really, really useful tool. And I'd also encourage you, you know, if you're really curious about changing your relationship with food and your body and exercise, I offer body positive health coaching. So look on my website. There's a tab under um, for coaching. You can learn more about it. I would love to work with you or at least schedule a free call to see if we would be a fit. As always, I appreciate your listening. I appreciate your support and I really appreciate the uh, any reviews that you leave me are so sweet. I got this nice one from ADG 02468. She said, better than coffee. Stop and listen. These podcasts will motivate you and get you going more than a cup of coffee. Thank you, ADG. Listen to real people share real stories. Every episode is unique and engaging and makes you think about how their experiences can impact your own life. A must listen. Well, I really appreciate that. And if you think it is a must listen, I mean, better than coffee is a huge compliment. I don't expect you to think this thing is better than coffee. But if you think it's a must listen, if you like it, I would appreciate it so much if you would subscribe, rate it, review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and tell a friend. Word of mouth is huge because I really want to spread this message that you are already enough. Whatever you've accomplished or not accomplished, whatever body you're in, right now, as you are, without doing another thing, you are enough. So I'm going to leave you with that. Until next time, keep it real.